0: Welcome back to 30 Days of Star Wars. Once again, joined by Nate Longarini and Jake Hensler. I'm Andrew O'Jay. Guys, we are done with the prequels today. We are talking about 2005's Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, which I don't think is very controversial to say is the best prequel, right? Like, we might be on varying levels, but I think it's the best of the three, right? That sounds about right to me. Yeah, I don't think that's too much of ruffling the feathers or anything like that to say that. Uh, this movie, like I said, came out in 2005. I believe it broke the opening weekend record. It's also not a high bar to clear, backpedaling for a
1: second, but yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, touche. <laughs> yeah, absolutely touche. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, released in 2005, broke box office records everywhere, was the last Star Wars movie in the main canon for 10 years before Force Awakens revived the franchise in 2015, uh, and basically... This takes place at the tail end of the Clone Wars, things are starting to wrap up, it looks like that the good guys are going to win, and then Emperor Palpatine, slash I guess Chancellor Palpatine for most of the movie, twists the mind of Anakin Skywalker and gets him to come to the dark side, and of course, complete his evolution into Darth Vader. This was the movie, out of all the prequels that a lot of people were waiting on, I think, because... You know, the prequels leading up to the inevitable moment where he finally puts on the Darth Vader mask, and this was that moment. That was in this film, and I remember 11-year-old me could not wait. I w- This is one of the most excited I've ever been for a movie just because it was the first PG-13 Star Wars movie, so that kind of blew my mind as well. But also, just the sheer anticipation and the trailers and everything made this thing look amazing. Do you guys remember your anticipation level for this? I don't know if I had one.
1: <laughs> I don't think I saw this in theaters. If I'm being honest, um, I know I did. my My family and my cousins and their family, whatever. I don't know. Probably eight or so of us all went together, um, and we were all very, very excited. I walked out of the theater like beaming. It was probably one of my favorite movies at that point. Um, aside, one, there's less politics going on from the other two. Way less, yeah. Way they just less shoot now. Yeah, now it's just. Action, it was a lot of action, and I was all about that at, I don't know, how old were we? Eight, nine? No. Ten? Older. Ten. I was 10. 10. Okay. So
0: no, was, no, 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 nine. Actually, nine is right. I can't even do my own math. I don't even know how old I I said eight, I am nine, anymore. or ten, and Andrew goes, No way, older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, so. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah,
1: I, I was beaming when I came out of this movie, but I was also really, really tight because I loved Mace Windu and his purple lightsaber. So to see him basically show that he's strong enough to overthrow the Emperor and get, you know, foiled by a little snake like Anakin, I was so pissed. But yeah, I found out you could be mad at movies at that point.
0: (laughs) So Nate, you didn't see this? Interesting.
2: I don't think I saw this in theaters, but I probably saw it pretty soon after uh, on DVD, because I think it was after this movie that I realized that the prequels were a thing and watched them. Um, And my cousin was super into Star Wars. So I remember actually playing the video game with him a lot more than I do watching this movie.
1: Oh, I played that game too.
0: Yeah, I had that for Game Boy, I think. The PS, what's the, what was, no, Game Boy. No, 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 what's the flip up Game Boy? SP? Yes, Game Boy SP. I was gonna say DS. Yeah, SP, that's it, Nate. I had that. Nate's like, yeah, I know. I think (laughs) I had the game for the second one too. Wasn't as good though. I think I played it on PlayStation. Um but it makes sense we were young boys we liked video games back then. Maybe yeah, and we we weren't really as interested in the crux of the story, which I think this time around is much more well done. I actually legitimately think this is a pretty decent if not great movie. It's a pretty good movie. I wouldn't throw it great, but yeah, I still it it always held up for me. Every
1: time I watch it I enjoy it. This is such a bipolar movie for me. <laughs> I On like
2: one that. On one hand, the action scenes and all the big set piece moments are really well done, uh, from graphic standpoint, from uh, story standpoint, just from a cool that's Star Wars kind of moment. Uh, all that stuff is great, but there are so many moments in this movie where the camp shines through, and sometimes it's downright cringy, like back to Clone Wars level. Um, it did not fully redeem the prequels in my eyes, but. It's really hard to say if I like or dislike this movie because the parts I like, I
1: really like. And the parts I don't, I really don't. Right. You could still tell George Lucas still made this.
0: He's still behind the camera. <laughs> it feels like really somebody else made it for like 75% and locked George out of the room. And then he got back in and ruined a quarter of it. I was like,
1: wait a second. Metaclorians, Metaclorians, Metaclorians.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like everyone like this movie starts great. I think the first 25, 30 minutes of this movie are awesome. Uh, that extended shot where we see Anakin and Obi-Wan's cruisers going after um, the ship that has Palpatine on it that General Grievous is riding in. Awesome. Just a great tracking shot right off the get-go. We so many complaints about, you know, politics and all these different little things going on in the Senate that we hated about 1 and 2. First word of the crawl this time around, War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We jump right into it. That stuff is great. But then every once in a while, that Lucas dialogue comes back, especially in the scenes with Anakin and Padme.
2: Yeah, and it carries all the way through. Like, from their beginning, like, we have to hide our love dialogue to the ending screaming match, if you want to call it that. Uh, It's just like... Yeah, it's it's all, it's all cringy.
1: <laughs> and he, I just, I feel bad, but like, he's just not really a good actor either. Like, like the lines aren't good, but I also feel like a better actor could have sold some of them. Like he could have been more sinister when he was telling her about how he could save her and take over the galaxy. And, but for me, I'm like, I don't even know if you believe what you're saying. I know you're supposed to, but like, there's nothing in your eye. There's nothing in your voice until Obi-Wan shows up and then he's just One note mad. Like, there's not a
0: whole lot going on. (laughs) I will slightly disagree. This is a, a in defense of Hayden Christensen point. So everybody put the guns away, put the lightsabers away. Hear me out for a second. He's much better in this one, I think. He gets a lot better from two to three. Agreed. His dialogue delivery is really not good. But his facial expressions... And the way he contorts his face to show rage and anger, I think he does a really nice job. He's got a great scowl, if that makes sense. And that sounds like a backhanded compliment because it's very specific. But (laughs) I think that's important for a guy going through like a lot of emotional turmoil. Like when he turns around and I know there's digital effects involved, but he has that one eye that's like glowing yellow. That could also be camera too, though. I, yes, but there are other moments. There are moments where he—you just see the pain going through his face. That's all I'm saying. I don't think Hayden Christensen is a complete wash as an actor. He's not great, and he certainly was miscast here and not given a script to work with. But he's not awful in this one. He's merely mediocre. I—I I guess I'm with
1: you. I don't think he's awful, but he's just—I uh, think this movie could have been a little bit better had we gotten a better Anakin Darth Vader. You know, this is the turn.
2: Yeah, it the the switch is so zero to 60 here where he goes from I am a Jedi and like you have brief snippet of oh wait, I'm very Sithy in this one particular moment but then I go back to being a Jedi and um, I think like his fall to darkness scene is supposed to be that like force connection scene with Padme through the windows with the really dramatic music. That's
0: what I was talking about with facial acting, by the way. That specific scene.
2: Cool, but it goes on forever. <laughs> I can't take I can't take this movie's serious moments seriously, uh, for a lot of this movie, and it's that scene and the the killing young youngling scene where he's just screaming or she's just screaming back at him. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs>
1: I was also, to bring back the Mace Windu scene, because there was always, even as a little kid, this one particular shot, not even seeing the shot, pissed me off. So when there's four Jedi going in to get Palpatine, I, obviously Mace Windu, I happen to know the green guy with the
0: dread-looking things. His, his name is Kit Fisto. I love his name. One of my favorite Jedi Kit names. Kit Fisto. <laughs> I like him and the, the one that looks like a, a big growth on his head. Ki-Adi Mundi. Yeah, he, that dude. Like him.
1: Um. So there's... So four of them walk in to try and get Palpatine. The first guy he kills was facing the wrong way. Mm. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, I was always like, what were you doing, Jedi Knight? Ma- you know, force wielder? Why are- where are you looking?
0: <laughs> the other three guys go down so fast. Yeah, it's like, like don't, it's like don't like saber, even get to like a death.
1: yeah. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, I was so pissed. That always pissed the, me off.
2: Like the iconic uh Emperor spin dive or whatever you want to call it. The corkscrew move. Yeah. (laughs) The barrel roll. (laughs) Again, it's moments like that where you can either love it or hate it, but it is without a doubt the campiest Star Wars has ever been in seeing this old man twirl around like Yoda did in uh, Clone Wars. (laughs) It's just like it it looks uh, way too fake for what it is.
0: Yeah, and then you have moments like that balance with Anakin literally cutting off Count Dooku's head and all the Jedi getting murdered. So you're right. The camp mixed with the most serious things that I think Star Wars may have ever done is quite jarring at points. It's also – it's a pretty heavy PG-13. Like there's decapitations. There's like
1: multiple deaths, explosions, children deaths. Like, you know, Anakin gets his limbs chopped
0: off and then burned alive. Like it's not a – it's a pretty hard PG-13 I remember. The way General Grievous dies is pretty horrifying too. Yeah, it explodes. Yeah, opens his like opens his chest so that his organs are sticking out and then just shoots him in his organs so they explode.
2: So uncivilized.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty hard
1: PG-13, but I guess that was whatever I was 10 years old like, whoa. Yeah. Did you see it, that?
0: Yeah, those scenes and the the uh hospital scene from Spider-Man 2 were very formative in my PG-13 viewing.
2: One thing on General Grievous, first off, as a big like robot, Bionicle, Lego fan, his design is so freaking cool with the forearms, the light, it's like stealing Jedi lightsabers, all that stuff. Awesome stuff. But how many times has George Lucas had the character who you think is old and feeble end up being a crazy swordman. You had Dooku, you had Yoda, you had Palpatine, you had Grievous, all hunched over and coughing for ninety percent of the movie. But oh, the fun scene, fight scene comes out. Here you go. You gotta have him be like crazy spider. It's it's a played out trope at this point, and it happens three times in this movie alone.
1: <laughs> well, neat. The older they get, the the stronger with the force they get.
2: Not Grievous.
0: <laughs> yeah, Grievous is Grievous is kind of like a hack. He's kind of, yeah, he's a he's a copycat kind of he cheats too, yeah, he doesn't know how to use that lightsaber. he just has like spinning hands. you know what this movie taught me more than anything? A woman can turn you to the dark side Ugh. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what you got from it. that's probably what the people who are super annoying about Star Wars online are that's that no I the know message I, they got I
1: was in the bathroom I was in the bathroom earlier, and I was like. I truthfully, felt was like, that was a, a stupid, funny internet troll comment, and I'm going to say it in the podcast later. <laughs> <laughs> the things you figure out in the bathroom. But but yeah, that's actually kind of what Nate was saying, though. The I think his transition to the dark side isn't overall abrupt, it's just that scene is. Like, he's mad that he's not a master, he feels the rage in him, he already cut off Dooku's head when he didn't have to, uh, blah, blah, blah. But in that moment, he was like, no, it's not the Jedi way, what have I done? Five seconds later. I'll do anything, you ask. Really? Okay. <laughs> what What did he say to you that got you from A
0: to B? Nothing. He didn't say anything. I know. Good. <laughs> that whole scene is obviously a big pivot point of the movie. Uh, and there are a lot of little things like that where it's like, huh. Where his quick turn and then Palpatine not even being freaked out a little bit, but like, oh my God, my face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Has it ever explained why that happens?
1: He's wearing his hood, I guess.
2: i I don't know just like i feel like they needed a clark kent type uh superhero disguise for palpatine and they're like well but like they needed to make palpatine old and wrinkly like the emperor was because obviously that design came long before he thought of the prequels so just like oh instant wrinkles we fixed it it's better than glasses
0: (laughs) You know, I think the funniest thing about all of that is he goes in front of the entire Senate looking like that. And like his explanation is not good enough. (laughs) He's not at all. Like, like, oh, why? First of all, why are you wearing like Satan red robes now? Like what changed? Second of all, you're just saying that this happened from the Jedi attacking you like that does not look like scars or anything like that.
2: And we know that cameras exist because there was the Anakin video of the younglings. So... You think he'd have to go to trial and say, yo, yeah, the Jedi totally attacked me, and not a video of me saying I am the Sith Lord, ha 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 ha. Gonna kill you all now. <laughs> Whatever. Um can we talk can we talk about uh Ewan McGregor? Cause I love
0: him. He gets better and better with each movie, and he is excellent in this film.
2: See, he's a nice mix between the camp, because he has like the kind of cheesy dad joke one-liners in this movie too, just like in Clone Wars. Uh, but He also has his fair share of, like, cool Star Wars moments where he's exploring worlds, he's meeting cool aliens, he's fighting awesome bad guys. I would love to just watch a movie following him instead of the whole Anakin thing if it was
0: up to me. Side note, you hate Attack of the Clones so much you keep calling it Clone Wars. Oh my god, I (laughs) do. That's how stupid that title is, circling back around to that. The thing I like about Ewan McGregor's performance a lot is that how... You're right about the camp aspect. He's able to mix all that together, but he also channels Alex Guinness really well. But it's not like an imitation or an impression or anything. That It's like an homage to what Alex Guinness was able to do with the Ben Kenobi character. You can definitely see the progression of how the character grows to be Alex Guinness. That's why I'm really excited to see how he plays the Obi-Wan series that we're getting on Disney+, Plus. because at that point, you have to figure it's going to be pretty close to the beginning of A New Hope, and... Where does, where does it become basically imitation? You know what I mean? Does he evolve the impression even more?
1: We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. To alter you guys, to echo you guys, um, I think he is arguably the best thing about the prequels. He's one of the only saving graces in the bad ones, and he just adds to the greatness of the only good one. Um, he's one of the only guys to get laughs out of. He adds the action really well. He's just overall well- I think he's also pretty well written. He balances the, you know, the negativeness of Anakin while trying to father him and, you know, guide him and doing his own thing. And he's just, yeah, I'm, I've am i always been a, a big fan of Obi-Wan. I feel like he's a huge part of the um, the Star Wars universe and one of the only good things about the prequels overall.
0: And I like how this time the movie makes it a point that a big part of Anakin's turn to the dark side is the fact that Obi-Wan is absent. Like in episode two, we complained a lot about the characters being separate and them not being able to build camaraderie. Um, this time it's very deliberate because you see the camaraderie in the first 35-40 minutes between the two of them so that the big final battle of Mustafar later has impact but they spend most of the middle of the movie separated from each other so they're completely different people when they come back together on Mustafar. That is good storytelling. That is a good way to separate your characters whereas opposed to the last movie where it was just like what are we doing here? Like (laughs) honestly. And I do really enjoy that fight
2: sequence. Like uh. Even though the lightsaber duel itself, if you really analyze it like we were some of the other lightsaber moves,
0: way over choreographed. There's yeah. a lot
2: of over choreographed, but um, the first, the first like two or three times I watch this movie, young and even going uh, later in life, I still get really into it because the music is amazing, the set pieces keep you engaged and wondering where they're going to go next. I think the only flat-out silly part is when they go full Pirates of the Caribbean on the the ropes or whatever it is. Um, but other than that, like, that's an awesome fight scene. Like, that's something I go on YouTube every now and then and just give it a rewatch if I feel like.
1: And I, I actually, I think the end, how it ends really makes a lot of sense, too, because they are pretty equally matched. Um, you can tell one trained the other, so they're going to emulate each other a little bit. But Obi-Wan beats him through his, his calm patience and... Uh, And his smarts, he out, like Anakin is overconfident, tries to get him on the high ground and Obi-Wan's more calm and takes him out. I think that makes a lot of sense for Anakin's defeat.
2: Aside from the very literal part of that, I have the high ground and the moral high ground. Dun, dun,
0: dun! (laughs) Well, the thing about, and I can't take credit for this, Chris Stuckman said this in his review. Uh, The thing about them having the high ground, does Obi-Wan not remember the Phantom Menace? When he didn't have the high ground and still killed Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's been, that's been
0: meme to death. Yeah, that's not me, but still, like, come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. The line doesn't make a lot of sense when you have the whole context, George. Watch your other movies again. Guess it's kind of true. Ru- ruining Star Wars for me. Yeah, but the idea of the high ground. First of all, I think it is a great scene and a great way to end the battle. I agree with that. Um... And the idea that Obi-Wan has so much more experience and he fights more with his head, whereas Anakin is so blinded and just so rage-filled that he can't even consider that an option. He's so reckless at this point. He's still developing. And unfortunately, his development leads to his doom. And I think the movie does do a good job, even though it rushes through it. It sells why Anakin is so angry. Because Hayden Christensen has never played the role any other way. Like, we've never seen him be, like, a happy dude. So it's like, okay, this omen child, of course, he's coming back to become this awful Sith Lord. So, it, like, the evolution event like, does make sense. And that's what this movie really needed to get right for me, and it does.
2: Yeah, it would have been much, much better if we had, over the course of the prequels, like, a an arc into darkness rather than... Like, this jagged path that I think we got. It was it was all very strange.
1: Yeah, I guess that's... Because, that's, I mean, the only darkness we see in him in Attack of the Clones is when he kills the Sand People, kind of unprompted. And then other than that, he's just willing to love a girl that he's not supposed to, right?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I wish... I wish that it wasn't so focused on Padme. Like, it's weird to have all this anger be... Selfless in a way because he really is just wants to be strong enough to protect padme and be with padme i felt like if it was more self-driven like i want to be strong for me so i can be um what i want or i can get the recognition i want like we get hints of that with the whole jedi council chair bit but uh i felt like if the movie had more of that that would have sold it a little bit better. But the fact that it's, like, whiny, I want to keep well, my girl I'm, I'm with for you for that the Padme minute.
1: stuff doesn't really work, but then if you make it that he wants to be powerful, I feel like that's just kind of... I feel like that's a little shallow. Isn't
0: just a lot of villains want to be uber-powerful? Like, I would need more than that, too, you know? Well, well, Nate... Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. You're not saying completely remove the Padme stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. You're just saying balancing it better. And I agree. Like, I do think it should have leaned more into... The idea that Anakin knows he's the most talented kid in the room, even though he has still a lot to learn, like that idea, make him more of an anti-hero than he is. They're so concerned about making him like deeply sympathetic. We can still sympathize with someone, even if they are not the best person Mm -hmm. in the world. And then you don't need to
2: have the killing youngling scene just for the sake of, oh, we need to make him as bad as possible as quickly as possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a heavy escalation. And does that even track with what Darth Vader was? Like, Darth Vader was a monster, but was he that bad? Like, I mean, he was a he was a lord of evil, but like the Darth. And we'll talk about this when we get into A New Hope on a separate podcast. But the Darth Vader of those movies isn't as demented as you might think. It doesn't match as well with the younglings. No, he still has some kind of he still has some kind of like
1: moral code in a sense. Like he follows what he believes and he doesn't just go. Murdering people for no reason like if he if there's a threat he'll neutralize that but he's not just going out and killing
0: kids because he's evil so let's I think as we wrap up here let's get towards the big moments at the end where Luke and Leia are born Darth Vader finally puts on the mask and then of course we have our final moments on Tatooine there are elements of the wrap up I like. And then there's the obviously most infamous moment of it that I really don't like, where Darth Vader gets down on both knees, and like Logan in X Men Origins Wolverine just sh- shouts no, and everybody's everybody's heart breaks. And watching that over and over, I it's so cringy because the rest of the scene starts fine, and then it just escalates into that, and it's a disaster. It's oh, it's so bad.
2: It's like I said earlier, th- this movie. The good action scenes, the good music scenes, the good battle scenes are completely balanced out by all these cringe-worthy, campy moments. It just makes you want to get down on two knees and scream, no. This could have been such a great movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. If everybody cringes at the the Vader No. Um But um I did like and Andrew was saying, I like that it starts off with Um, Him asking about Padme because that's all that is. I mean, even though it's cringy, it's all he cared about. So it is fitting to the story and Palpatine grinning and under his hood in the shadows. Yeah.
0: I mean, at their core, the Star Wars movies are about family. And that is a representation of him losing all the family that he had, basically.
1: Yeah. And his motivation, what he was doing this for.
0: So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more balance of good and bad here. Let's wrap up and give our ratings here. Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Nate, what would you give it on the seat scale?
2: Uh this is this is a wooden seat, but just barely on it. There's there's just so much that I wish that we didn't have to put up with watching not only this movie, but this trilogy. <laughs> uh right down the middle, this is definitely the hardest true rate because it's so on the cusp of being a damn launcher. But I will stay positive on it. There are there are definitely a slight lean towards the stuff I do enjoy.
1: Um, yeah, wooden seat, but a higher, better made wooden seat than Nate's. Um, this is venturing into damp lounge territory for me. It is firmly, I'm definitely positive on it, but not positive enough to say it's like really good. It's just I enjoy it. I recognize that there are definitely some things I would change. Um, there are things that could definitely have gone better. Um, But overall, I think the the story adds up a little bit better. The characters are solid. The action is probably the highlight. Uh, And if nothing else, Nate, remember Obi-Wan. He'll venture you into positive territory every time.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: His wise wisdom. Guys, Kit Fisto is such a cool name. (laughs) I've been thinking about that for the last 25 minutes, to be completely frank. What a great name for a Jedi. Some of these designs of these Jedi characters are very interesting. There's a lot about this world that is very interesting that the prequels just kind of ignored. Um, I like this movie a lot more than Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace for sure. It still feels a little bit like a missed opportunity. It is certainly a firm wooden seat for me. It's a little closer to the plush recliner area than I think both of you because I do think the moments that are really good here are absolutely spectacular. And I do think it's probably two-thirds of the movie that I feel that way about. There is one-third that still is extremely clunky, And it kind of sucks that we have to put up with that. But at the same time, this is close to what I wanted. It's not quite what I wanted. But (laughs) whatever. 11-year-old me loved it. That's all I got to say. Anyway. So, guys, we are done with the prequels. Uh, That'll do it for our review of Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, We're going to be moving to the original trilogy next. That's exciting. Um, If you want to hear our Attack of the Clone and Phantom Menace review, please look for that. Uh, if you want to listen to our main podcast, please check that out as well, obviously. For Jake Hensler and Nate Lungarini, I'm Andrew J. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.